0: Hello, I'm Kyle Corbwell and this is On The Money, a weekly look to get the best out of your savings and investments. There's been various headwinds facing investors over the past couple of years, with one of the main ones being red hot inflation, which is now showing signs of cooling. However, even if price rises continue to slow in the months ahead, we are still in a cost of living crisis, which is causing consumers to tighten their belts. This backdrop has been a headwind for consumer discretionary companies. So these firms provide products and services that are not viewed by consumers as being essential. However, as ever, there's both winners and losers. And joining me today to discuss the prospects for consumer-related stocks during a cost-of-living crisis is David Smith, fund manager of Henderson High Income Investment Trust. So David, You invest in a range of consumer companies, both consumer discretionary and consumer staples stocks. Could you firstly talk us through consumer discretionary stocks and what your approach has been for identifying the potential winners during a cost of living crisis?
1: Well, I think there's one thing we've been looking for in terms of our consumer discretionary exposure is those companies that offer good value to customers. And I think that's been an ongoing sort of structural shift. You know, a lot of people now using sort of value retail because I think the proposition is so much better than it has been back in, you know, historically. And it's not just about selling, you know, products at really cheap prices it's actually giving value for money in terms of good quality products at really attractive prices. So some of the stocks we sort of own that sort of play into that theme will be um, B&M, Value Retail. We also own the private equity group 3i, which has a, their main holding, is represents over 65% of their is in action, which is kind of like b but on continental Europe. Uh, and then the third other example is, is Whitbread that owns Premier Inn. So obviously a budget hotel chain. So these are companies that, you know, offer good, quality products at a very reasonable price. And if I take Action as a, as a good example, now unbeknownst to some people, Action is Coca-Cola's biggest customer in Europe. So because it's got good scale, it's got these buying synergies from its suppliers. And what it does for that, those synergies is actually reinvest in price. So if you look at the price of the average Coca-Cola can in Action, it's at a significant discount to something you can buy in say Tesco's. So it's very cheap prices, but you know it's an everyday item that people choose. And what that has, having those cheap prices means that you get more people coming to store, you know, it builds up volume. So therefore they get more buying synergies as they grow their business, which again is reinvested back into price and you get that virtuous circle continues really. So, you know, they're very good companies that have done very well structured over the last few years. The cost of living crisis has just, I guess, accelerated that sort of volume growth towards them. So that's how we've been playing it in sort of consumer discretionary stocks.
0: So let's now move on to consumer staples stocks, in which you have more of the portfolio in compared to consumer discretionary. So could you talk us through that sector and is consumer staples companies, are they more resilient to things like a slowdown in consumer spending?
1: Yes, I think resilient or relatively resilient is probably the word. They're they're certainly not immune. To slow down, but essentially, clean, consumer staple stocks, you know, do offer more essential items that people can't really go without. But there are going to be still winners and losers even in the consumer staples um, sector. I mean, you know, something like a Diageo, which is obviously the the, the global leading spirit um, a company, it is having a bit more of a difficult time in the short term. Clearly, you know, some of the higher end, premiumized spirits Um, you're seeing a bit of a slowdown in trading momentum there especially in their u.s business which is a a big big part of their business we still like the company very long term but obviously clearly with that short-term pressure on trading that's put pressure on the share price there on the flip side something like a tesco's which i kind of see as a consumer staples you know buying obviously food and drink from from a retailer is um it's obviously an essential and what the management team have done a really good job at is actually over the last few years, really repositioned the price proposition and and the quality of the offering really. You know, again, Tesco's evolved with conceding market shares from the likes of Aldi and Lidl, but now they are a lot more price competitive. You know, they're the lowest priced full range grocer out there. They price match Aldi in about 650 items, etc. You know, they are starting to see that market share gain come back. And that's, that's across the board. So whether it's at the, the value end, taking um, market share from the likes of Asda, whether it's like sort of mid-market range, taking market share from Morrisons, or at the high end, taking share from Waitrose in kind of their, their finest range, et cetera. You know, they're doing a really good job across the spectrum. And actually that's been reflecting the shares being performing quite well over the last 12 months. I suppose other areas of consumer staples we like at the moment, sort of beverages side, more and soft drinks the likes of Coca-Cola Hellenic Bottling Company. It's the main bottling company for Coke across Eastern Europe. Again, I think Coca-Cola is an item. Given that it's a, it's a low price point item, you know, people are happy to pay those sort of price increases that companies put through to offset their cost headwinds. And close to home, something like a Britvik owns brands such as Robinsons and, and Tango in the UK, but it's also the UK main bottling for Pepsi, being a huge growth area for that business as well. And I like the, the way they've invested materially in their manufacturing capabilities, which is generating cost savings for the business, which is going to help drive earnings growth going forward, which again, you know, given the, given the balance sheet and the cash flows of the business, there's a lot of that cash is coming back to us as shareholders through, you know, dividend growth, but also share buybacks as
0: well. So you provided a number of examples of consumer related businesses that you like and have exposure to in the investment trust. So which areas of consumer related businesses do you not have exposure to? And is this on the grounds that some of these companies they are more vulnerable to the cost of living crisis?
1: Yeah, so so I think where where we've avoided consumer stocks is very much in the sort of more higher ticket items. so, whether that's providing kitchens or, uh, or, you know, homeware items such as sofas and things like that. So, you know, the stocks we haven't been invested in is like the, the Kingfishers of this world that owns B&Q, DFS, uh, Wix, that sort of thing. Because I think you've had two impacts really. Firstly, it's kind of, those companies did really well during the first stage of the pandemic as people were sitting at home, they were happy to, you know, have home improvements done or, you know, upgrade the sofas and things like that. So I think that forward demand got pulled pulled forward during the pandemic and that's slowly been unwinding but also in a cost of living crisis people they are a lot more discretionary it's easier to defer your your investment in a new sofa whereas you know buying everyday products from tescos is less so so those are the kind of areas of the market we we've, we've kind of avoided
0: and over the past 2 years you know interest rates have been on the rise inflation's been very high compared to history how have you in general Approached, looking at consumer related businesses, are there certain qualities that you have been looking at a bit more closely?
1: I suppose it's kind of again, it goes back to that sort of value proposition as well. That you know, that's one area of we've kind of invested in to keep our, um, you know, to be able to manage that sort of high inflation, high interest rate environment as that consumer discretionary spending has come under pressure. I suppose the, the other th- the other way we've looked at it as well is you know those companies that can facilitate sort of value to to the end consumers. And another stock we bought over the last 12 months was supermarket.com. So, you know, as you've seen the prices of insurance premiums go through the roof, um, I almost fell off my chair when I got my renewal quote through, certainly. Something like a price comparison website really facilitates the consumers getting a better deal for their money, searching around other, uh, other insurance products. So that's another area. I suppose, I suppose the third way was through owning companies that we knew had sort of pricing power. So whether they're a sort of market leader in a sort of niche market and they have a must-have product, you know, they have the ability to pass on that cost to their own customers. Now, not necessarily in the sort of consumer space, but maybe more the likes of in the industrial space. So, you know, we own companies like Spectrus, uh, Vesuvius, you know, they've had that ability given what they do to their own customers being at very much, you know, either a high quality must-have product or service, you know, they've been able to price that cost pressure they've seen through to the end, uh, their own uh, consumers. And then lastly is really on sort of maybe the distributors. So the likes of a Bunzo of this world that distributes you know, very low ticket items to the likes of supermarkets, to the likes of uh, other industrial processes uh, companies. You know, actually their business model is to have a straight pass through of their cost inflation. So they've been able to wear this you know, high inflation environment by growing their profits quite quite attractively in in that environment. So that's kind of those are the types of companies that we've been sort of increasing our exposure to or adding exposure to over the over the last sort of two years or so.
0: And going forward, what's your outlook for both interest rates and inflation? It does seem to be in a bit of a switch over the past couple of months. That the consensus now seems to be that the interest rate cycle may have peaked, and there could be some interest rate cuts in twenty twenty four, particularly in the US. So if the pace of inflation does slow and there are some interest rate cuts, will that lead you to look to new opportunities?
1: So I think, you know, clearly inflation will, I think, continue to come down. I I think, I guess the debate is, will it come down to the 2% inflation target that the Bank of England's got out there? I personally probably think it probably doesn't in the next 12 months. Having said that, I don't think that's going to stop the Bank of England cutting rates. Uh, I think interest rates will be cut over the next 12 months. However, we've always got to think that actually markets are discounting mechanisms. You want to start buying into, uh, into cyclicals on the pretense that interest rates are going to get cut before they get cut because the price move happens earlier. Uh, and that's kind of what we've done over the last in, in Q4 in terms of our trading activity. Certainly against where valuations got to, it got to a stage where we thought interest rates were close to peaking and valuations were particularly attractive. So actually we started to invest in companies that we thought would do better uh, on interest rate cuts, or the uh, or the assumption that interest rates were going to peak and cut. So some of the examples there are: we bought into Taylor Wimpy, the house builders. Clearly, if interest rates get put, cut, mortgage rates come down. Actually, that's going to stimulate demand for the housing market. The other one we bought into is British Land. So real estate company, again, lower yields, bonds, lower interest rates, et cetera, should help interest more into that sort of sector and things like that really. So um, we've started already now to start playing into that sort of cyclical recovery and those stocks that could do well in interest rate cut even before the first cuts come.
0: A potential risk for the UK equity market in 2024 is a recession. It was widely predicted that that recession would occur last year. And now, those same predictions are being made for 2024. What are your thoughts on the prospect of a recession? And has this prospect already been priced into valuations?
1: Yeah, so, so, so I got a few points to make there, really. I, I mean, probably the debate about is the UK going into recession? I suppose my first point would be to look at real wage growth. You know, now you're seeing inflation ease but at the same time, wages are still being increased at a a good lick. You know, you look at what the national living wage is gonna do this year, you know, up over 10%, actually wage growth is gonna outstrip other inflation. So actually that's what I mean by real wage growth. So there is gonna be extra money in the consumer's pocket. In that sort of scenario, if you look back historically, the UK has never gone into recession when that's happened. So actually the omens are quite good in that regard. Also, when you look at the health of the consumer, a lot of the, you know, when you look at uh, sort of consumer debt levels uh, in terms of credit card, um, things like that, these are quite low levels historically and savings ratios are actually quite high. So actually the consumer is in good health, albeit consumer spending has been under pressure. But as I said, that should ease going through the rest of this year. So I think given those dynamics and given we've got strong balance sheets in the corporate level as well, it does feel actually the UK economy is likely to avoid recession in 2024, in my view. Um, And actually, I think the economic outlook could be a lot rosier than maybe certainly um, some of those more bearish assumptions are out there. Now, I'm not suggesting the UK economy is going to be booming, but I think it is going to be better than people are expecting for those reasons that I've mentioned. I suppose the other point is probably to mention is what does that mean for the UK market? actually the UK market is not a very fair reflection of the UK economy or vice versa, because actually two thirds of the UK market's earnings are derived overseas. So actually for the UK market in a whole, it's actually more important in terms of what the global economy is doing, not necessarily the UK economy is doing. Now there's various sectors that play into a lot more into, into the UK economy, et cetera. But when you look at that, I guess the final point is just on valuation. So as, as you mentioned, you know are valuations cheap enough that the recession is already priced in in my mind for certain areas of the market you know some of the uk consumers uh, stocks that we talked about house bidders, these sort of things you know valuations even even though you have seen a bit of a recovery in those sort of areas of the market in the ftse 250 uk consumer stocks actually valuations are still incredibly attractive on in a long term view um, so even if you know my predictions are wrong we do enter a recession actually that's probably priced into where valuations are
0: my well, thanks to David and thank you for listening to this episode of On The Money. If you enjoyed it, please follow the show in your podcast app and do spread the word by telling a friend about it. And if you get a chance, please leave us a review or a rating in your podcast app too, as this really helps to get the podcast into more and more people's ears. You can join the conversation, ask questions and tell us what you'd like to talk about via email on OTM at ii.co.uk. And in the meantime, you can find more information and practical pointers on the Interactive Investor website, ii.co.uk. See you next week.